Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. We've been in the book of Exodus. We're in Exodus 13 and 14 today. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Exodus 13 and 14. If you got your paper Bible. If you don't have your paper Bible, go to your phone, go to your tablet, whatever you use. And uh, if you didn't bring anything, it's going to be behind me on the screen. But to catch us up, because I'm seeing some new faces in the room. This is your first time joining us. Uh, we've been in the book of Exodus. We're going to be there all summer long. And it's been super fun. But we've been talking about how the whole narrative starts with, uh, with a people, an oppressed people, an enslaved people crying out to God. So there's an edict that goes out to kill all of the Hebrew boys. Pharaoh issues this edict, and it's because of the faithfulness of some midwives and Moses' mom and sister, and even Pharaoh's own daughter, scoops Moses out of the Nile and then raises that brother up in the house of Pharaoh. But it all starts off with this cry. The people are oppressed. The people are enslaved. They're crying out to God, hey, we need you to show up and do what only you can do. And he remembers his covenant. He remembers that he's in relationship with his people, and he steps into the narrative. And then we talked about Moses, God's call on Moses' life. And so, again, grew up in the house of Pharaoh. But then at one point, uh, he figures out he's Hebrew, and he comes to rescue a guy, uh, save a man at the hands of the Egyptians, ends up murdering an Egyptian Uh, It's really bad, bad news, bad for business. So he goes into exile. He's in Midian, meets his wife there, grows a family there. Uh, He's a shepherd out in the desert. And God meets him in a burning bush experience and calls him to go and be the deliverer of his people. Moses says, this is not, this ain't me, bro. Like, I, like, this is not my assignment. I'm not good with words. I'm not, this is not good. And then God says, it, I'm, you don't understand. It's not about you. I don't care about any of that. I am who I am. Uh, go to Egypt. And so he sends him and he, he goes up to Pharaoh and he tells him, Hey, God's commissioned me. I'm coming on behalf of the Lord. And he wants, he wants you to let his people go worship in the wilderness. You need to let us go with all of our stuff. And we got to go worship our God. Pharaoh says, no way. And there's a battle of the gods between the, the God of the Hebrews, the true God of the Bible, and all these false gods of the Egyptians. And every plague, there's 10 plagues. Every plague points to kind of a mockery of the Egyptian gods. We talked about this. By the third plague, game is over. The, the magicians and the high priests of Pharaoh, they look at Pharaoh and they're like, dude, this is the finger of God. We cannot replicate what's happening here. This is bananas. You need to concede. And Pharaoh, the Bible tells us all the way through the first five plagues, Pharaoh hardens his heart continually. By the sixth plague, now God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And you and I might look at that and we're like, that's not fair, except for the first five plagues. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And what happens, we talked about over time, is that God gives us over to the things that we want. And so he begins to make an example out of Pharaoh, out of evil, and he begins to make his name known. And so through the first 10 plagues, I mean, excuse me, through all the 10 plagues, that's what we see. And then the last plague we talked about last week was Passover. We talked about the death of the firstborn son. So all of it kind of climaxes to, at this place where God says, I'm going to send death itself And if your house is not marked by the blood of the lamb, death's going to come to your house. But if your house is marked by the blood of the lamb, I will pass over it. And so we talked about Jesus being our Passover lamb, being the fulfillment of all that we see in the Old Testament, fulfillment of the law, fulfillment of the prophets. He's the lamb. He's the last sacrifice. If you miss any week, you can join us online. And it brings us all the way to this. It brings us all the way to this place where 
Uh, Pharaoh is, he's broken. He's angry. He's at the end of, he's defeated and he's holding his dead son. And he tells Moses and the Israelites leave, take everything, get out of my face. But then the last thing that he says, and this will tell us about the shift in power. He looks at Moses and asks Moses to bless him on his way out. And so the, the people of God take all of their belongings, take all the things that they've been given and even silver and gold. We talked about uh, their neighbors, neighbors had given them silver and gold, and they begin to make their way out of Egypt. And so Exodus 13 and 14 is where we pick up today. Let's look at verses 17 through 22 in, ver- in chapter 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. Um, I don't know if you're like me and you're impatient. I don't like going the long way, metaphorically or literally. I don't like getting in line. I don't like, I've already shared with you guys, I have road rage, those types of things. What we see in this part of the passage is that God leads his people and the mercy of God steps in and decides to take people the long way. He says in the passage, hey, if they went through the Philistine country, they would turn back. They would not take hold of what I want. I want this amazing promised land that I've got for you. If I take you this way, even though it's the quickest way, you're not ready for it. You're going to look at opposition. You're going to think it's too hard. You're going to turn around and you're going to concede and you're going to give yourself back over to slavery. But because of the mercy of God, he takes them the long way. And over the course of the long way, their faith is built. Their trust is built. God takes them through some things, right? They have to experience some hard things and some provision and some dependency on God. And over the course of that dependency, their faith is built and they're prepared. They become a prepared people for his promised land. Look at, let's keep reading through that same passage, uh, 17 through 22. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. I love the faith of Joseph. I love it. This is 400 years before this moment. Let it hit. Like over 400 years before this moment, and Joseph looks at everybody, his contemporaries, his family, and he says, hey, listen, God is faithful. God is true to his word. God comes through on his promises every time. Why does Joseph say that, by the way? If you know, if you know Joseph's story, you know that Joseph went the long way. Joseph went through some stuff, and the faithfulness of God time and time again taught Joseph, dude, it doesn't matter what the opposition looks like. God's faithful. God's true to his promises. And so Joe, Joe looks at his brothers and his family, and he's like, listen, I'm going to die. And when I do, uh, one day, God's going to make good on that promise. He has a, a land prepared for us, a place that he's going to take us. And when he takes you there, you get my bones, bro, right? So get these. Like, how much faith do you have to have to look at people around you and be like, listen, this is going to go down. I don't know when it's going to go down, but when it does, dig my corpse up and take me with you. Because I don't want to stay here. Dig my corpse up and take me and plant me in the new spot, okay? So that, that's just an aside, okay? That's just, I love that part of the Bible. So Moses, uh, let's, keep, let's keep reading on what happens, 17 through 22. After they leave Succoth, they came to the camp at Etham on the edge of the desert. And by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light. I always thought, like, what does a pillar of fire look like? And what is it, you know, what, what, what was that like? Um, 
few years ago, I remember a video that went viral, and it was like a fire tornado in California. I don't know if you saw this one. California is kind of always on fire in the summer, but for this, for whatever, it was like we, this was a new level. Like now, it's on. It's like a tornado fire, and people were freaking out. Like, what is that? And I remember seeing it and being like, "Oh, like you know how you, you have a hard time intellectual objections to the gospel or the biblical narrative, and you're like, how does that even work? And then you see like a literal fire tornado going down in California in 2020 or whatever year it was, and I'm like, okay, it makes perfect sense. So in my head, when I read that fire tornado, uh, but Anyway, so pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And uh, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And so when Moses goes to Pharaoh during the plagues, he tells Pharaoh to let people, uh, God's people go. And then there's this negotiation during the course of the plagues. And at one point, Pharaoh says this. Pharaoh says, sure, let them go. But you got to leave your livestock. You can let them go. You, you, everybody can go, but I want you to leave your economy here as, as an insurance policy. Leave all the animals. But Moses' reply in this moment is, I can't do that. I have no idea. Like God's told us to go to the wilderness. He's told us to worship him. I don't know where we're going. And when we get there, we don't know what we're doing. We have to have all of the, if you read back through the biblical narrative, we have to have everything because we, we got to be prepared. We have no idea what God is asking us to do. So when we get there, we got to have what we need. And it's just such a reminder for me that there's always this gap between the vision that God gives us for our lives and provision. He always leads with vision. He always asks us to move before he tells us how, right? Tells us all the details that we want to know, right? So um, God will tell you to go back to school for, you know, for a certain call on your life. He'll tell you to sell your house or move your family, give away your car. He'll tell you to start a business. All these different things God will give you direction on. And isn't it funny that the how, when we're actually being obedient and following God, the how is never revealed on the front end. It's never revealed. You just feel like you're like, I got to move. I got to do something. And people think you're crazy. And people are like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? It's insane. And you have no idea how the details are going to flesh out. But you just know, man, I got to move in that direction. And so it's all vision. And by faith, you move in the direction that you think is God is telling you to go. And then what happens when you move? Provision. So it, fall, it always follows. And that's the hard part of faith. Like that's the, I mean, that's, this is what's so hard. It, it makes it clear the direction that you're supposed to take, the job that was waiting on you, the money that you didn't even know that was going to come in, the opportunity, the person that he wants you to marry. Hello. The means for the business that you were supposed to build. It can be frustrating, but he's always leading with vision. Go into the wilderness. Take everything you're going to need to worship me. Where do I go? Don't worry about it. Just move. Just start walking. What do we do when we get there? Don't worry about it. I'll show you as you go. And this is the life of faith and following our God. And so we see God in this passage leading his people just with such kindness. Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And some of us look at that and we go, that will be so much easier. Be so much easier. What job do I take? I got several opportunities. What job? Pillar of cloud over the business. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go that direction. It's like, who am I supposed to marry? Uh, a tornado fire over old girl's head. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, cool. She's the one, Jesus. Let's go. Like, I mean, it'd be so much easier. And, and we think that. We're like, man, I just wish it was that way. But the crazy thing is, and here's what I would argue, is you and I actually have something better. And that we have God's word and God's spirit in us. Like we have God's word. These are th- a lot of us, we're like struggling to make decisions, the right decisions in our life. And he's already given us the answers. You didn't read it yet. 
or apply it. And then some of us were like, well, there's sometimes, like God doesn't say specifically who I'm supposed to date or doesn't say what job I'm supposed to take or doesn't say where I'm supposed to live. Or, and that's true, but the spirit, what the Spirit of God will do is give you application for what he's already said. And it's just, the problem is, is that we would rather, we would rather study it than apply it. The problem is we'd rather talk about it than do something about it. And so uh, most people don't want to surrender to God's word. We just, want to, we just want to talk about historical context. What kind of genre is that? Let's talk about character development. All oh, that's great. Awesome. But at the end of the day, uh, let it work you over. At the end of the day, actually trust. Like the, the, the point is to read it and go, all right, God, I trust you. And then actually do the thing that it says. This is what Hebrews 4.12 says. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. It will cut you is what it says, right? So, but in a good way. And it's, it's the idea is like spending time, it just makes you come alive when you actually do the things that Scripture says to do. Don't just, don't just look at it, but like actually let it, let it give you over to a faith that you begin to live it out. It's the difference between, you could, example, you could go to school for a lifetime. You could get all the degrees, undergrads and three masters and a dissertation on watermelons, it's like study, you just study, you spent your entire life studying the plant, the fruit, the process, like the different variations of watermelon. You're just like all about watermelons, but you've never eaten a watermelon. Now, compare that to the little kid that gets out of the pool, dripping wet, pruny fingers, dries off with a towel. Mom cuts a slice, bam, they eat that watermelon. Who knows watermelon better? Right? And, and so... I mean, that's, this is what we do with our faith all the time. We just, we don't. Uh, we have to actually apply the word. The reason why the local church has stalled out or is in decline here in the States is because we don't actually believe what we study. That's the reason. If we did, uh, we would do something about it rather than talk about it or, or want to learn more about it. We would eat the watermelon, but it doesn't have to be one or the other. As a matter of fact, if you spend a lifetime learning about something and then you would ex- experience the thing you've studied, it actually hits different. So how many of y'all, y'all got bucket lists, places, vacation, dream vacations? Come on, there's more than five of us. It's okay to have dream vacations, fam. If you don't have dream vacations, get with me. I will help you. I love just Airbnb. I just look, drool over it. Anyway, so you have your list of places that you want to go. And how much, how much more of an experience, how much better is it? And it's just so much different than when you spend some time and some energy and you think about where you're going and you prepare and you plan and you research and you study and you have a lot of context going into where you go and, and you go, it just is like comes alive. It, it, the place comes alive versus somebody who's never learned anything about the place and they just show up with no context. and They're like, this is awesome. This is great. But they still don't understand in the way that you understand. It's not an either or, it's a both end. I'm not saying don't study God's word. I'm saying also apply it. I'm saying let it work you over. Eat the watermelon is what I'm trying to say. So this is why we got to be people of the word. You and I are New Testament followers of Jesus. And we've got the word. We don't have pillar of cloud. We don't have pillar of fire. We have the word of God and we have his spirit in us, in us if you're a Jesus follower. So when we experience the pull of the world and the tug of our flesh, which you will experience every day, you'll experience it today. Okay. The tug of our flesh uh, towards the things that ultimately don't give life, even though everyone else is doing it. Even though it feels good, even though it seems like it's okay, 
And I'm looking around, and basically I'm making the rest, I'm making uh, my standard what the rest of the world's standard or broader culture standard is, which is insane. It's like we, we, we were like, I'm good. Compared to everybody else, I'm good. I mean, if we're grading on a curve, I'm good, right? Except, uh, except we're not. And so this is Proverbs 14, 11 through 12. The house of the wicked will be destroyed. The tent of the upright will flourish. Get this. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. You lie to yourself more than anybody else. I do too. The Bible tells us, hey, it appears to be the right way, but did you filter it through? Did you spend any time, I don't care about your opinions, did you spend any time looking through the text and going, "This this feels like what Jesus has commanded, the way that Jesus would live, what he's instructed in his word. And and then sometimes, even when it's not particular in the text, this feels like the spirit of God would have me submit this area. I mean, he'll give you application to what he wants you to do. So back it up biblically. Tell me what God says about it and apply. This is the direction to go for your life. So you and I have so much more than a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire in Jesus, man. We have the word of God. We have, just think about the benefit that we have. Having all, we are without excuse. We have all of, we have everything, including Christ's death and resurrection. And yet, man, we are a hard-headed people. Woo! We just do our own thing rather than surrender our lives to to God. So we keep reading as Pharaoh approached. So, uh, their backs are up against the sea. Pharaoh is approaching. Now the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. So, um, Moses delivers his people. 10th plague, death of the firstborn. There's wailing, there's crying, there's screaming, there's anger, there's all that. Silence in the Hebrew camp. They talk, they, he's like, get all your stuff, get ready, we're walking out. And they all walk out, a couple million of them walk out. Everybody's good with it. They get into the desert, they begin to work their way, the long way, to the promised land that God has for them. And now they're up against the sea. They have the sea on one side, and then on the other side, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he begins to chase down the people of God. And I want you to imagine what it would be like to feel free. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you just felt burdened, felt hard, and then all of a sudden you got a new job. You know what I'm talking about? Like, or whatever. I don't know what, <laughs> you'd fill in the blank. But it just felt hard. It felt like, you're, man, I was just weighed down, and then I was given over to freedom. And, uh, and so that's the moment that they have. They're counting their silver and gold, you know. They're having a good time. We're free. And, and um, we don't really know what this sea thing is going to look like, but that's okay. We're free. And then off in the distance they hear something, and then they see dust kick up. And then they look, and they're like, what is that? Sandstorm? What's happening? And then they realize hundreds and hundreds of chariots and horsemen and the most powerful army in the world up to this point is in pursuit of them. And if you remember back to the plagues, there's not a single household in Egypt that someone didn't die. So not only are they coming in pursuit, but they're coming with vengeance and they're coming with bloodlust. And Pharaoh's leading them. And this is what they say in response to Moses. Uh, in response to Moses' leading, they say to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? I love the Bible. So much sarcasm there, right? So saucy. Anyway, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? Also, pause. This is after the plagues. Let it sit. It's so crazy. 
it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, and this is God speaking prophetically through Moses in this moment. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Nothing has happened, by the way. This is all Moses basing. Moses is basing this. One, God's speaking through him, but he's basing this off of the faithfulness of God. Guys, have you been paying attention so far? Have you been paying attention? Right? And he says this, so crazy. The Egyptians, you're never going to see them after today. The people that are in pursuit of us. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So the same people who just witnessed the separated judgment that God had. So, for example, when we go through the plagues, um, you know, it flies over here on the Egyptians, not over here on the Hebrews. Hail over here, not over here. Boils over here, not over here. Death over here on the firstborn son. Hey, you guys are good. Your house is marked by the blood of the lamb. Like, so he, the separated, the same group of people who saw all this play out are the same group of people that in this moment, I mean, it hasn't been but days and they are already complaining. Nothing has even happened. All they see are the Egyptians coming and they're like, we're dead. Nothing has even happened yet. No one's hurt. No one's even dead. It's only what they see. And they're, they're, I mean, fear sets in and then they begin to complain about, man, why'd you bring us out here? It's so stupid, right? And it reminds me of ungrateful children. Not that my children, are, my children would never be ungrateful, but it reminds me of ungrateful children. And if we're being real, we've all been ungrateful children. Uh, but Brooke and I, we took our kids back at the beginning of May. Um, we had some friends and some family bless us. We had an opportunity to take, because we, we got a lot of people in our family. Uh, all of us went to Disney World. And Disney World is such a great study in the depravity of man. I love it. It's so great. Uh, it, it's, it's like we spend, I mean, just think about all the time and energy that people pour into this. I mean, Brooke did an excellent job. Shout out to Brooke. She did all the genie pluses and the lightning lanes. Your girl, if y'all Disney nerds, you would, you would, you would like, you would really be impressed. But, uh, but so we, all these people are there and they spend small fortunes and years worth of planning and they all got the shirts. You know, I got to get the shirts. Gotta get, we didn't do the shirts, but we got to get them, you know, and then everybody's got there's an itinerary and, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then all this stuff, every, all this investment. And then I love watching it because people go. And then what happens always is there's some family, some, some poor family whoo, that, that the kid is just like, I'm tired. I don't want to be, I don't want to be here. This line is long. I don't want I'm hungry. I don't like these Mickey ears. And it's like in that moment, I want to discipline that child for them. You know what I mean? But like, it's, that's a different message series. This one's a different message series. But it's like, but it's just grumble. You're in the happy, and you know the dad is upset. The mom's upset. I watch this play out. Sometimes it's more fun to watch this than it is Ride Rides at Disney World. But people are like, be happy. This is the most happy, this is the happiest place on earth. You know what I mean? Like chewing their kid out. Like, and you know, and, and in my, just me, and this, pray again, pray for me. But anytime that happens, you know what I mean? Like you buy your kids some Christmas presents or take them. You just dump some, something nice for your kids and they complain about it. Like, I don't want to be merciful in that moment. I don't. I'm not, that lo- I'm not as loving as my Heavenly Father is in that moment. You know what I mean? What I want to do is I want to just take the Mickey ears and burn them in front of them. And she's like, watch this. You know, like, I want to be like, we're going home. You, 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 you sad? Okay, you're going to be real sad. We're going home now. Like, that's what I want to do is, uh, but, but God doesn't do that in the passage. 
Matter of fact, it was, based on not, it was not based on the obedience of his people. It was not based on the faithfulness of his people. It was not based on the trust of his people. God was faithful despite that. Right? And, and that is such a good message for us, man. Such a good message. Look at this in Exodus 14, 13 through 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. You'll see the deliverance of the Lord. He's going to bring you out today. The Egyptians you see today, you're never going to see them again. The Lord will fight for you. What's your job? <laughs> what a sad contribution. Be still, right? It's like, God will do all the things, you big dummy. Just be still. And so here's my point if you're taking notes. God is faithful even when we're not. God's faithful even when we're not. Why did you bring us out here? We told you that we didn't want to come. Now we're going to die, and it's hot. And I didn't want that. I wanted that, right? And so it's like, I, and so God who's slow to anger, rich in mercy, speaks through Moses. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Be still. And, and I love it so much. This is the good news because so many of us, we don't, we don't believe. We don't trust that he's going to right what's been wronged in our lives. We don't trust that he's going to fix our mess. We don't trust that he can take our own sin and our brokenness and the things that we know that we struggle with. We don't trust that he can deliver us in those areas. And by the world standards, man, um, by living by comparison, we look around and we go, all right, well, and yet God has placed value on us in the cross of Jesus, a worth on us in the atonement of Christ and a price so high that we're so valued and so loved that even in our complaining and our lack of understanding and our desire to want what we want or be selfish or lack trust, he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. He, he, and so the people of God, the Israelites, dumb people, not that great. Okay, let's just be real. He just delivered them, like bent the natural order of things like all of animals and insects and there's blood showing up in rivers and now it's dark and blotting out the sun and hail's fall like bent the natural order of things they witnessed this and the difference that the like judging these people not these people and yet they're still without trust like they still lack faith in that moment our heavenly father Man, he scoops us down, he picks us up, and in response to our complaining and our lack of trust and our lack of perspective and our selfishness, he says, don't be afraid, I've got you. You don't even have to fight, I'll do it for you. Stand firm, be still, I've got you. And so um, if you read on in verse 15, it says this, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. And I love this part of the passage. There's complaining. People are frustrated. People are stressed out. What are we going to do? We're all going to die. What's happening? And then God says this to Moses in verse 15. Why are you crying out? Tell the Israelites to move. What are you doing? Move on. Um, how is it that after everything that I've already done for you, that you don't have the faith to just walk? You don't have the faith to just do what I need you to do, to just play your part. And I love it because I, I, it's our story over and over, my story at least. God doing amazing things in our life. One week, you ever had God come through, thing you were praying for, you were so excited for? God came through, answered your prayer, and stirred your faith, you were really jacked. And then the next week, you, you lack trust in another area? Just me? No? Okay. So, yeah, all right. So, yeah, that, that's exactly what we see. This is our story over and over. He's saying, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to do just the one thing that I've asked you to do is trust me. 
<laughs> I want you to do, same thing I'm asking uh, Father Abraham to do is just move in a direction and then I'll, I'll make it clear what it, how it's going to play out or what it's going to look like. But you got to move. And I love this part of the passage because it reminds us that you and I, we have a part to play and God has a part to play in our deliverance and in our freedom. And you can't do God's part. There's things that only God can do in your life. And there's things that he's not going to do for you. Walk. And he's like, just walk. Just be still. Just, these are simple things, right? I will handle the details um, in order for your freedom to take place. It's the same thing that God asked Abraham to do. Abraham, I had no idea where God was sending them. And he was like, hey, I just want you to go in that direction. And then I'll make it clear what all this is going to be about as you move. And the same thing that he's asking me and you to do. And so there's a sea on one side, an army on the other side. And, and so many times when we see things that we're afraid of, we think, man, it's over. It's checkmate. But God's saying, hey, tell the people to move. Tell people to do the thing that they know they're supposed to. Listen, I'll split the sea. You walk. Just walk in that direction. I'll handle, I'll do the heavy lifting. You have to move. So in freedom, God has a job and we have a job. We can't do his and he's not going to do ours. We have to walk. And then after this statement, God tells Moses, I want you to take this staff that I've given you, stretch it out over the waters. And the Bible tells us in that moment, the pillar of cloud comes and separates the Egyptians from the Israelites. So instead of it being in front of them, now it moves in between them. And then um, Moses raises his staff and a hard wind comes and it blows all night long and it separates the water, making dry ground. This is what it says in the Bible. The Egyptians pursued them. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the chariot so that they had difficulty driving. And so God delivers his people, creates a way for them to go across on dry ground. And then removes the pillar of cloud at a moment where the Egyptians begin to pursue. And as they pursue, um, for the longest time I didn't understand this this passage. But if you read Psalm 77, Psalm 77 gives commentary on this moment. And it tells us not only did it blow wind all night, but it also stormed. So dry ground, but then it's almost like right after that, lightning, thunder, rain, everything. So what was once dry, now all of a sudden muddied in a hot mess. Egyptians try and get through and they can't. And then you keep reading, the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place, and the Egyptians were fleeing toward it. And the Lord swept them into the sea, and the water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And the day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, get this, the people feared the Lord. There's a real reverence now. Okay. And put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So this is my last point. If you're taking notes, I just want you to write this down. This is what I see in this part of the passage. God is just, and he will fight for us. He tells them, he says, hey, all I need you to do, I don't, like, Moses says, hey, God will fight for you. God will deliver you. You have done nothing up to this point other than whatever the Lord instructed you to just 
display some trust and some faith in who he says he is, but you've actually done nothing. None of the plagues were you. None of the, the hardening or the softening or the ripening of Pharaoh's heart. None of the moment, like all that is a God thing. We didn't get here because of you. We're not going to get across this because of you. And he says, he says, just have faith. Just stand firm. Just hold fast. And then just play the part that God's asking you to play. Just walk. But then God fights for them. They never lift a finger. They never lift a finger. And, and God's justice comes through. And the fact that God is just means that we don't, we, you and I, we don't have to be in the business of keeping records and trying to make sure that we're policing everybody. And, and um, it frees us up to serve with compassion and grace and take the good news of Jesus. You and I, as New Testament followers of Jesus, as lovers and followers of Jesus, we are not in the business of justice. We're not in the business of wrath. We are not in the business of vengeance. We are in the business of grace. We are in the business of loving our enemies. And then we free God up to do what only God can do, which is real justice. He'll handle it. Whatever's been said to you, whatever's been done to you, whatever harm that somebody else, and again, I'm talking about you, just your personal self, whatever you've gone through in this life and you go, I got to get back at this individual. I got to, I've I'm so angry. I got to get my way. I got to get back. I got to say this. I got to do this. I got to write, you know, I got to somehow write this wrong. And yet the gospel tells us, no, no, he handles all that. He handles all that. As a matter of fact, if you're in that business, just realize that whatever you've done to other people, now you have to, now you have to deal with that as well. Instead of the gospel way, which is Jesus takes on the wrath of God, everything meant for me and you, Jesus takes that onto the cross and then offers us up grace and forgiveness. But guess what? We got to extend it to others. That's a hard gospel. It's like, what about, what about, you know, hard th- what about justice when it comes to uh, people who are enslaved? Or what about justice when it comes to, uh, right, you know, righteous wars or just wars? What about justice when it comes to some of the wrongs in the world? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a voice or speak up for the marginalized or the oppressed or the enslaved or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you as a follower of Jesus, you will have an opportunity to turn the other cheek. Every apostle, every early follower of Christ, every disciple of Jesus is martyred for their faith. The exception of John, who's boiled alive practically, and then he gets like all of them lay down their lives for what is what what is some what is better than vengeance, what is better than wrath, what is better than justice, what is better than that, which is the grace and the truth that he offers. Here's what Romans twelve. This is Paul's commentary on what I'm talking about. Roman, uh, Romans twelve nineteen says this: Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And we see this in Exodus 14. People don't even have to lift a finger in order for God to right what's been wrong. In order for God to bring about justice. They don't do anything. They literally just trust and have faith. And so you and I are going to have an opportunity. And it requires such great faith to have things done to you, said about you, But man, our our gospel is that when that happens, man, I'm supposed to love my enemies. And I'm supposed to trust that while I stand, while I move on what God's already asked me to do, that he'll he'll handle all the details. (laughs) He'll handle the justice part. And it's so hard because we're like, nah, but really, bro? It's like, no, really, that's what it says. That's what it says in his word. 
So when, when people show kindness to their enemies and share the good news of Jesus, even when they're being mocked or hurt sometimes, sometimes killed, uh, they're trusting God and having a faith that leaves room for the justice of God, that leaves room for the wrath of God to handle what we can't handle. He has a part to play. You and I can't play his part. And he's asking us to do uh, what he's asking us to do. He's not going to do it for us. So that's, that's not uh, the business that we're in. We're not in the wrath business, the justice business. We're trusting God with handling what only he can handle business. And this is good news because our enemies, the Bible tells us that your enemy, my enemy, doesn't have flesh and blood. We don't battle flesh and blood. We, ba- we battle spiritual realities. You and I are up against the spiritual enemy, and every single day we, we battle that. We don't battle, you, I don't, you're not my enemy. You don't, you don't have an enemy. You have neighbors. Every human you and I see are opportunities for us to share the hope of Christ. They're not our enemy. And even when you think they are, they're not your enemy. Is what Jesus teaches us in the text is, man, lay your life down for one another. Love one another. Serve one another. And that you and I don't have... Uh, physical, we're not battling flesh and blood. We're at, we're battling something entirely different. So I want you to think about how this passage relates to you. What's that look like for you and your faith? Man, this, this idea of God leading his people out by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And yet you and I in Christ, man, we have his word. We have his truth. We have his message. We have his spirit inside of us, which if we're being real for a minute, you know good and well the Spirit of God tells you, to, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know the Spirit of God tells you to do things all the time. And you just choose your way instead of the way that he wants for you. I mean, I'm just, if you're anything like me, then that's your experience. And so think about what, how, how much do I miss out? I just want to learn more things about the Bible instead of actually doing what the Bible tells me to do. And then, man, just, just eat the watermelon. Just experience the life that God has for you and the fulfillment that he has for you. And as he leads you, trust him. Just trust him. And again, there's going to come to a place where it looks impossible. And, and he's going to ask you to do something that looks impossible. And that's what he wants. he wants. He wants a dependency on him. He wants you to have a relationship on him that is just fully dependent. And you look out and you see an Egyptian army and you go, no way. Whatever your Egyptian army is, no way. There's no way. And he's like, just trust me. Just be still. I'll handle your battles. Like, just be faithful, move forward, and then realize that I'm, at the end of the day, I'm in charge of handling wrongs against you, what's been said, what's been done. But, man, you can, you can have faith in me. And, and really, for us as New Testament believers, a faith in Jesus that says, man, I'm free to the point that I get to offer you. How free are you when someone does something wrong to you and then you extend grace to them? You're free. That's freedom. So think about it. And let's pray and ask, uh, let's ask God to reveal to us as we pray, man, Lord, what does this message mean for me and how do I live this out in the days ahead? Jesus, thank you so much for your cross and your resurrection. Thank you so much for new life in you. And thank you that you are the fulfillment of all that we see in Exodus, God. You are the, uh, the ultimate deliverer. You are the sacrifice lamb and you are the way in which we should walk and you give us your word and you give us your spirit that you lead us by so much better than a, than a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire and so we're grateful for the revelation but god help us to not take it take it for granted so many of us have access to your word so many of us have access to your truth and yet we don't spend time in it and for those of us sometimes who spend time of it we don't really truly surrender to it and give us over to the life the fulfilled life that you want for us and help us not to settle for less than what you paid for 
But God, also give us a great faith and a courage of conviction that when we're up against a hard spot, we look out and we see impossible things coming our way and thinking there's no way for this to take, there's no way for you to handle this. God, I pray that you would give us strength and a boldness of faith to just stand firm. And I know it's the long way, but God, thank you for the long way. Thank you for your mercy in the long way, teaching us things over a lifetime of following you. You lead us to more. So if you're here today and you've, you, you're in a season where you know God's just speaking to you and you know there's some things in your life that you haven't surrendered, some things you haven't laid down, so just some brokenness and some bad decisions and some distractions, some sin, really, that just keeps you from the life that God's calling you from, in this moment, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and tell you exactly what that is. Lay it down. Lay it down. Surrender. Humble yourself to the point of just faith that says, I'm just going to move even though I don't know how you're going to handle this. I'm just going to be obedient. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never fully surrendered your life to him, he comes as, as the fulfillment of everything that we're talking about in the book of Exodus. Everything that you and I could hope for is in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He takes all the wrath that is, that's meant for me and you, all the vengeance, all the things that we really should have paid for ourselves. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus takes every bit of that, and God calls that justice as well. For him to stand in the gap, stand in our place, and then offer me and you compassion, grace, forgiveness, and mercy. The love that God displays through Jesus. Jesus is made manifest in his life and in his great gospel. We take hold of that, and then we get to extend his grace and his love to others, but we first have to accept it, and we first have to surrender, and we first have to lay down our agenda to step into his right where you're at. If you've never come alive in Christ, you've never fully surrendered your life to him, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want to give you an opportunity to confess him as Lord right where you sit. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to surrender your life to him and come to faith in him right where you're at, if you just raise your hand in the room, just say, that's me today. I know this message is for me. I know this moment is for me. I feel the Holy Spirit telling me I want to come alive in Christ. I want to give my life to him. I'm seeing hands. Thank you. Right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. I'm grateful for what you've done in my place, God. I'm grateful for your truth. Help me just really surrender and believe and trust you so that you can give me over to more and lead me to the place that you promised for me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.